There's so much potential out there. Uh, we have no idea what the future is going to be like, and things change literally year over year. Imagine this. You're a fourth-year student at Waterloo. You're getting ready to graduate, and thanks to co-op, you've already got a job offer lined up. But then, your friend calls and proposes something different. Why can't you take control of your own destiny and start a business together? Two years ago, Matt Reyes found himself in that exact situation. His friends Calvin and Anthony were foregoing their own job offers to start a software consultancy business, and they wanted Matt to join. Today, the three are co-founders at Hypotenuse Labs, where they build AI and blockchain products for startups. Matt and his co-founder, Calvin Chan, join me on the podcast to talk about why they turned down those job offers and how they built a client base. Plus, Calvin shares some of the most exciting projects they're working on today. Keep listening. Thank you, Calvin and Matt, for joining us on the podcast today. Calvin, I want to start with you because it sounds like you were the first one to bring up this idea of contract work. What got you thinking about this instead of taking one of the job offers that you had? For sure. And thanks for having us. Yeah, I think I just want to start off by saying we didn't like our situation um, job-wise on our last co-op. Uh, but, a, but a big positive reason why we decided to go this route was um, there were certain dreams that we wanted to pursue. So for myself, uh, I'm actually about to become a touring metal drummer. Uh, for, for Anthony, he just wanted to uh, build really cool stuff. Uh, what was he working on? He was working on, I believe, resilient mesh network protocols. That's that's what that's how he described it. For fun for fun. This is not for for money at all. Yeah, that's I, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Might as well be in Spanish. But yeah, uh, yeah. So that's cool. Well, though. highly technical projects is what Anthony really likes to do. And yeah. then for he he wanted to become a, a, a you know real gigging musician and have his own yeah. studio and everything. Uh, and what we felt like during the whole co-op grind was we felt a lack of control when we were doing this sort of like nine to five, especially if you have to be in an office. Right. So for us, it was really important that we wanted to uh, kind of like take control of our own destinies, so to speak, as cheesy as it sounds. And here's the thing in tech, you know, we're actually in pretty privileged positions. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's actually kind of ridiculous. There's tons of great well-paying jobs in tech. So even if, you know, your venture or your pursuit ends up failing, your safety net's still pretty good. So in in this type of situation, you might as well go for it. And uh, I'll, I'll leave it at this one last thing, which was minima, minimizing regret is super, super important. Every, literally everybody tells us, especially when they're older than us, they tell us, take risks when you're young. You know, the worst thing that can happen is you fail and you can try, you can either try again because you have plenty of time or you can just get a job, like I said. And I think in order to do it well, you need a good backup plan. And I think most importantly, you need courage. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really great. I love the idea of building your own destiny, as cheesy as it sounds. Uh, that's really what you did with Hypotenuse Labs. And, um, I, I like that you really were weighing personal ambitions uh, and, and figuring those into 
your career moves, which I don't think, um, I don't think people always think about that when they're looking for their first job. Um, you know, it's about signing the deal. So Matt, you (laughs) talked to Calvin, uh, and he presents you with this idea. Um, what you, (laughs) <laughs> you also you had a, a job offer as well like anthony and calvin did but what made you forego that to start hypotenuse labs honestly uh, i should probably give you context on everything leading up to that because when calvin approached me it was it was a tough call um i was on exchange actually in singapore at the time you know having an awesome time traveling you know studying abroad and then um, meanwhile, this is when Calvin were work- and Anthony were working um, in, in the South Bay and they were in a swimming pool together talking about the contract work because Anthony had done a bit. And um, that's how the topic came up, came up among, amongst those two. Um, so Calvin calls me and, you know, me having job offers as well as, as those two guys. Um, it, was, it was very parallel to another really hard choice I made earlier in my life. Um, I had to decide between going to music school and going to Waterloo. Uh, we know how that turned out. I went to Waterloo. Um, and that music was actually my first love. And it it was like what I thought I was going to do. I was on the track. I had auditioned for music schools. I got into music school. Um, I spent most of my time on music rather than, you know, STEM. And um, But in the end, I chose Waterloo because I knew it would be it would be long run something I can't do later. And that I would regret have not chosen versus I knew I could come back to music. Just looking at other people I know who've been successful in music, they often come from all walks of life. You know, some are former engineers, some were musicians through and through. And, but to me, like the risk was if I went to Waterloo, um, worst case, I could always audition for music school and go back. Um, Going the other way, I don't think I would be doing math for fun to be able to get and, you know, pass the entrance exam or, whatever requirements there would be for mature students later. And so that's when I decided to make the leap. And very similarly for hypotenuse, when Calvin told me about this, um, I could take these offers, which are very guaranteed, something I had always planned on doing, going through all the co-ops and getting a final offer. Or I could not take any of them, start a company from scratch. Who knows where it's going to go? You know, over 90% of companies fail. But as Calvin mentioned, um, we are lucky, especially as Waterloo grads, like we have options when we graduate a lot of the times and um, we could always tough it out and go back to the job search. So, and to be honest, I said yes. Um, and it, but it actually took me about two years to really truly feel like that was the right choice. And that's how I, and I knew that that was the right feeling to have because when I went to Waterloo, I had doubts until probably end of second year. Um, but then that's when I realized this is, this is it. Um, I love what I do. And it's flexible enough for me to spend time with my first love still. And um, hopefully it becomes a launching platform. So after, after hypotenuse is all said and done, um, you know, I can continue to spend time with music. And so now I'm able to do both. Yeah, that's uh, so really interesting that all three of you have uh, music backgrounds. All, all of you are musicians now today on top of, uh, running hypotenuse labs. Um, I just, I want, I have to go back, Calvin, you're, you are going to be a touring metal drummer soon. Can you, 
Can you just tell me about that? Because I, I feel like we can't pass that up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll, I'll step back a little bit to give, to give you a bit more context. So the way I kind of learned drums was actually through playing this video game called Guitar Hero and, and Rock Band. Uh, that's actually how I learned to drum, and I actually got pretty damn good at it. Um, and then over time, this got better and better to the point where I wanted a, drill, a real drum kit. And, you know, I begged my parents just for, for like a year and a half straight, and just so they knew I was serious. And then when I finally got it, I, I just couldn't stop. And it was one of those things that, you know, kind of like Matt and, and his passion for music is very similar, right? Like I, I couldn't stop. Um, I always wanted to get better. I didn't know exactly what that goal was supposed to be in a more tangible way. But uh, I kind of came to a crossroads where when I had to go do one of my first internships in, in the United States, I wouldn't have a drum kit. And I came to a crossroads where I had to say to myself, look, how bad do you want this? Like, are you're not going to get to drum for four months straight. How important this is, like, is that to you? And at that point, I was like, no, like, I, I have to, I have to, there's just no way I, I can't give this up. I have to keep getting better. Um, but it was kind of like, uh, you know, that kick in the butt that I needed that, that told me, hey, this is something that you really need to pursue and and you shouldn't pass up this opportunity now um where the touring came in was well i didn't want to just play in you know like your average local band in front of like 10 people right like it just wasn't the same feeling wasn't the same experience and i wanted to play in front of bigger and bigger crowds um not because of fame and glory or or whatever little money there is in in that game but more so for for the experience right so i, I wanted to be able to travel the world and wanted to um you know, meet lots of awesome people, play with amazing musicians. And that's kind of how that dream came together. Um, so the nitty gritty of that is more like, you know, two to six hours of every night of practice. And I did this for maybe about four years at this point. So yeah, uh, naturally, as you get better, and you put up videos, and you meet people, um, you get opportunities. So hopefully, I'll be going next year when everything settles down. Yeah, yeah. Uh that's awesome. And I hope that you get to go too. That's, uh, that's really cool that, um, obviously choosing to go the consultancy route has helped you, uh, actually make time for that as well. I love that this passion for music is the same thing that fueled all of you in some way to go about it. Anthony Anthony is the only non-musician out of us. Okay. Anthony, Anthony isn't a mute, isn't a musician. Uh, he had, he had his technical projects that he was working on. Pretty much. Yeah. He's, right. He's got a gift for it and he's really good at it. Um, and he spent so much time doing it. So analogously speaking, like where, where we spent all those hours on music, he spent all those hours doing lots of really awesome like stuff with hardware, um, programming, building robots, building, yeah, building robots, all of that. So um, yeah. And he's been doing it since he was a kid too. So it was just this thing that we grew up with. Wow. Um, so that really brings us back to hypotenuse labs because that sort of technical work is what drives your work. Um, it sounds like you spent a lot of time at the beginning networking, uh, and eventually all those connections that you made paid off and resulted in a bunch more work. Can you maybe share where and how you cultivated your most fruitful relationships 
And do you have any advice for others who are starting a consultancy business? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of funny because I actually did a, a workshop on this at Hack the North. It was called um, What They Don't Teach You in Your CS Classes, which is how to sell and how to build relationships. Um, so I think the main thing about relationships is that they're built on trust, right? And for people to trust each other, it's very give and take, right? Like some relationships are more mentoring. Um, some relationships are more getting advice or getting help. And I think it's important to consider that every relationship has its give and take. Um, you should always keep in mind what the other person wants, what's in it for them. Um, and yeah, there's, and I guess if you want to hear more about the nitty gritty details, uh, we have a blog post coming up uh, on medium that you can check out. Um, hypotenuselabs.medium.com. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah that, that's the plug. But, um, you know, all that being said, like there have been times where people just helped us out of the goodness of their heart without expecting anything back. And honestly, like we're just eternally grateful because us starting this consultancy, like usually you see consultancy starting from someone who's like a veteran in an industry or, you know, they worked at a consulting firm for a really long time and they know everybody and all their friends are in high places that are decision makers we started right out of grad, which um, I would say we haven't seen too much of. Usually, most folks we know start much later on in their careers, and it was tough. Um, so, as you mentioned, Meg, um, it really was like all about building relationships. And sometimes these things take months; it takes years to to really culminate into fruitful relationships. You just know people. Um, you know, it becomes part of your reputation, part of like who you know, and part of what people think when they hear the word hypotenuse labs or when they hear the name Calvin Chan from hypotenuse. Um, and so, you know, we, we are fortunate that along the way, especially in the early stages, people took a chance on us and they believed in us, uh, whether it be having us um, help them with something as consultants and build, build for them, or whether it be allies along the way and advisors and people who just were willing to help us out and give back all the knowledge they've accumulated as business people as well or, you know, through all their experiences. So um, that that was definitely, in terms of starting consulting business, like the pivotal point where we had to re reach this sort of sales critical mask and this network critical mask for us to really, um, to really scale. And we cultivated a lot of our most fruitful relationships just by conversations, really meeting people. Um, and often those conversations are about very human things, not necessarily business, like, um, some of our clients are also musicians and we've jammed with them before. Um, other clients, they, you know, we, we, they're just a friend of a friend or they're, they, they really like the work we're doing. And we just have, a, we talk about that. We don't talk about, Oh, let's do business together or let's, you know, um, we want to work on your projects. Um, it, it often just starts very organically and just really, and that's how a lot of our relationships I think start. Yeah. So um, I guess I'm wondering where, what does that look like? Does it look like just, you know, are you telling everyone uh, that you, that you may know, like taking the opportunity to give them an elevator pitch? Um, uh, or are you just uh, where you, where you can bring it up organically in a conversation? Are you mentioning it? I think people usually ask us because they would be like, Hey, what have you been up to? Are you you're not working anywhere, right? It's like, oh yeah, we're, we're actually doing this thing. 
Pipe Labs, software consultancy, uh, focusing on three main things, web, ML, blockchain. And then they're like, oh, cool. Tell me more. Like, what kind of projects are you guys working on? So it's usually interesting enough for, you know, people to ask us more about it and, and why we want to do it, similar to how, how you're asking us. So it usually comes up pretty organically. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think that people are sometimes, uh, especially when they're first starting out, they're afraid of how how am I supposed to network? <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, so it's great. It, it's great to hear your take on it. And Calvin, it's great to hear that you are paying it forward and teaching these things at Hack the North too. That's perfect. Of course. Yeah. Just like how all, all, all the other people that came before us taught us same thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really like that mentorship model and like passing on that street knowledge that you don't get in school. I feel like, you know, that, that was like the biggest game changer for us. Like how do we do sales? Um, how do we do all these things we didn't learn um, at Waterloo? Um, how did, what did we learn at Waterloo that we can apply? And not just on the technical side, but we did six co-ops. Like we, we started to reflect on all of our experiences at these different companies. It's like, oh yeah, this manager was really good and everyone liked him. Why did they like this manager? And like, because now we are managers and we're trying to like reflect constantly on like all these other things that we didn't necessarily know we were learning through co-op, but actually ended up kind of absorbing by osmosis and trying to pass those on. Uh, as Calvin mentioned, we're on the um, other side of the hiring table now. We're hiring co-ops and seeing what it's like on the employer side. It's it's a completely weird experience because not too long ago, less than four years ago, we were on the opposite side of the table being interviewed. For sure. So I want to talk about one of your recent projects. Matt, you and I talked a little bit about this one, and I'd love to talk to both of you about AlgoSwap. It's a cryptocurrency exchange that the Hypotenuse Labs team built, uh, and it is meant for the Algorand platform, which is a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, if people aren't uh, familiar with Algorand. Um, so what inspired you to build a cryptocurrency exchange? As a consultancy, this is our chance. We could work on a really tough problem, but it's important. It's something that these these you know these folks really need. Um, but also, us as a consultancy, at the time when we took that project on, we didn't have a lot of examples or things to show for the fact that you know we know about blockchain or we know how to build on top of a protocol and build these sorts of things. So, honestly, there are a lot of good reasons for us to, to work on something like this. And the opportunity came up. They we were granted. Um, some funds from the Algorand Foundation directly to work on this. And um, yeah, we were able to successfully do it. It was really tough. We um, we saw a lot of constraints, which um, you can find more in our blog post um, that we've met, we recently published on Medium. But, um, you know, there's all these like technical constraints that made it really tough for us to build. And that's why a lot of other people haven't been successful or at the time hadn't been successful to build one. Um, and so... All these reasons given um, to us, it was just honestly an awesome opportunity that they were willing to fund a project like this and have us on. Yeah, uh, a really great opportunity and a cool opportunity to um, prove what your team can do. I'm wondering if uh, either of you have a another interesting project that you wanted to share on the podcast or maybe like the coolest project that you that you've worked on at Hypotenuse Labs because you do... Uh, much more uh, outside the realm of cryptocurrency as well. Uh, I'll, I'll do better than one. I can give you three. So one of them is 
yeah, one of them is called The Archivist. Uh, this is uh, this is huge because luxury fashion is huge. So basically what it is, it's it's a luxury resale intelligence dashboard and a marketplace. So, so what does that mean, right? Uh, right now, a lot of the biggest brands, uh, think L LVMH, Gucci, Balenciaga, et cetera, they have no visibility over what's going on in the resale market. So the resale market being you know, eBay or the real real where stuff is kind of getting sold secondhand. And now, you know, to, to, to the average person that doesn't pay, you know, $5,000 for a handbag, um, you might think, well, used, isn't that like, kind of like shoddy? Isn't that kind of bad? Quite the opposite. A lot of used goods are selling for like, you know, five times the price, 10 times the price, because they're not seen as used. They're seen as um, vintage or rare because you know very few quantities of these are, are being made and if you have one that's very it's, it's a very exclusive uh, kind of club to be in right so so what we're doing is uh, we help them with a, a data platform where they can see what's going on in these markets and then also uh, we have like a resale as a service so what that is is a brand would come in let's say you know like a gucci or some, some similar brand would come in and say hey like we want to sell these used goods directly on consignment through vendors who are who we trust as the brand uh, to resell our goods for us um, because you know it's, it's a huge huge market all the hype right now it's around tech billionaires but honestly the ceo of lvmh was actually the richest man in the world not too long ago i think he's at number three right now and what the archivist is is it's actually going to be we believe it's going to be the spotify of luxury fashion um, why? It's because, you know, you have these players like eBay, the real, real grail, they're eating these big brands lunch, um, when it comes to, you know, the resale market, right? Like these brands are getting no cut out of this. The archivist actually gives these big brands back that kind of control, um, which is so important to them because, you know, luxury is about control over your brand, right? Uh, for that project, we're basically their engineering team and we're building everything end to end, the infra, front end, back end, you name it. Um, data platform. There's even an ML piece. Really cool stuff. Really cool project. Really, really timely uh, as well. Uh, and I'm going to be going to check it out <laughs> for sure uh, as I'm moving away from fast fashion brands too lately as everyone else is. Just just uh, don't blame us when you end up dropping $6,000 on one handbag. Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> I think you are partly to blame after this conversation, but uh, that's okay. I, it's also my choice. Calvin, you had other other projects that you wanted to talk about too. Yeah, 100%. So project number two um, is a startup called Octave. Uh, what they do is they're actually solving one of the most important challenges in mental health today, which is matching the right patients to the right care providers. And it's a huge problem because only 25% of mental health patients are actually getting the help they need from the right providers, right? And, you know, people literally die over this when left untreated, right? It's a huge, huge problem. Um, now, what Octave is doing, they're taking more of a data-driven and also manual approach to this as well. Um, and they've done a really, really great job. I believe last I heard, they boosted their match rate from a, a measly 25% up to 60%, so more than half. Um, and it's an incredible initiative, and I, we do confidently believe that it's one that will save many lives, especially if they're able to scale. And uh, that's actually one of the things we're helping them out with. So we're helping them a lot on uh, 
the backend side of things and helping them scale up their servers and, and everything on, on that front. Another really timely, uh, it feels very timely given the the things we're living through right now uh, and also impactful project. 100%, yeah. I, I would say Octave is definitely one of the most uh, impactful projects we're working on right now. Uh, yeah, and then there's project number three, which is uh, a lot more lighthearted, a lot, lot more fun. Um, well, fun in a different way. Uh, they're called High Street. You can look them up, highstreet.market. They are a metaverse and marketplace play. Uh, so you might be wondering, okay, what, what is the metaverse? The, the metaverse is, um, sounds like a bunch of buzzwords, but it's VR on the blockchain. So wh- why is that significant? It's because, you know, even today you're seeing, you know, many, many games, say Fortnite, Roblox, etc. You know, people have a, a real digital identity. Right. And and that's one that they tie to their kind of like real world identity as well. And what the metaverse enables is they enable this sort of proof of identity and proof of status. Right. So when you own, let's say, an item in the digital world, you know, think think the NFTs, for example. Right. Um, you can conceivably prove that this item is yours. And if it's an expensive item, you you gain some sort of status from it. Or if it's a rare item, you know, you gain some sort of status from it. And uh, that's kind of like the metaverse in a nutshell, because since it's built on the blockchain, you have this proof that you own that item. So going back to High Street, what they're trying to do right now, um, they're building out a a marketplace around this as well. So right now it's a web-based marketplace, which which they will eventually take to the metaverse. Uh, so uh, what this marketplace involves is it involves limited edition drops. So think think of it this way. Instead of waiting in line to buy, you know, um, limited edition Yeezys when they come out, for example, you can go on to High Street's marketplace and you can purchase a token, which represents uh, that that limited edition good. Uh, and you can and you can actually redeem that token at any point. Um, so let's say instead of buying the Yeezys in, in, in person, you buy this token and then you can, what you can do with this token is you can buy and sell this token quite easily. So the, the resale aspect is there very, very simply put. And whenever you want the item, you cash it in and you get the item shipped to your door. Uh, so also another really cool thing about high street is that their token is about to launch in, in about a week or so, I think October 7th. So it's very, very huge. Um, and for them, we're basically their web team, and we're, we're also integrating all of our web work into the Ethereum blockchain. So that one's more of the blockchain-centric plays. Wow. Um, when, last time when I when I spoke to Matt originally, and now when I'm speaking to both of you, uh, each time there's been something that's mentioned that I just had no idea existed in the digital world and had never thought of. And uh, High Street, that's really interesting and uh, something that I never would have thought uh, would exist. I I think most people know about NFTs now, but it takes it to another level. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think here's the thing about the blockchain, right? The way we view the blockchain today is kind of like the web back in 1999, right? Everything is 
popping off everything it, there's tons of tons tons and tons of hype around it um you can't tell what's going to be important for the future and what's just you know a bubble right we're seeing a lot of similar trends things look weird they sound weird but you know in 1998 facebook google netflix they didn't exist the only big fang player that existed at that time was amazon and they were just getting started right so with the blockchain we our thesis on it is it's in a very similar state right now which is why we're so keen on getting started and we're so keen on doing more projects in this space um and you know hiring a lot of people um to help us with these really really cool projects as well because there's so much potential out there uh we have no idea what the future is going to be like and things change literally year over year so i actually don't blame you for not keeping track of everything because you know sometimes things change in the matter of like a week it's not yeah it's it's insane and it's exciting because we get to see a lot of companies at the very early stages because a lot of our clients are that C to series A sort of stage and um you know words like metaverse come up when we talk about things like high street um mental health fast fashion like just kind of the things that we get to work on are just always super exciting because they're always companies pushing for a major change in something um i guess that's we would call it hype but like very hyped that's a very cool um thing to work on or very exciting but that's because it's in the name hypod news also because yeah that's also our abbreviation for hypod news is hype um but we love doing this and it's just so exciting such an exciting time to be kind of seeing the future being built and even then we can't predict what's going to happen like a few months down from now what i love about your approach to this is um and maybe you were thinking this when you started hypotenuse. Uh, maybe you weren't. Maybe it's just like a happy byproduct. But to me, it seems like uh, while you're describing all these different projects and the importance of blockchain and these areas you're working in, if you were all to take that one job offer that you each had, um, you would just be working on one thing right now or for one company. And now here you are after starting your own thing, you're you're working in this space that you all clearly really enjoy, but uh, you're putting out little tendrils into all these different areas of blockchain and AI. Um, and that increases your opportunities later uh, down the road, because as you say, Calvin, we don't know at this point what pieces are just a bubble and which uh which pieces of technology are really going to blow up and uh, become that next Facebook or whatever. For sure. hundred percent agree. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you both for joining us on the podcast. This has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, I I hope that people take uh, a lot out of it. I'm sure that they've learned something about uh, how blockchain can apply to their everyday life. And, uh, Hey, if you are a Waterloo student, check out Hypotenuse Labs if these projects sound good to you. They're hiring co-op students now. We just did a bunch of interviews today and we hire every term. Great. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much, Meg, for having us. Thanks, Meg. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow, subscribe, like, whatever your podcast player lets you do. 
And hey, if you want to meet more alumni, check out the fall 2021 issue of Waterloo Magazine. Inside, you'll find stories about connection, including one about Hypotenuse Labs and their work in blockchain tech. You can find the digital issue at uwaterloo.ca slash magazine. Uncharted Warriors in the World is written and produced by me, Meg Vanderwood. Carlos Saavedra is our editor. Carlos and I are both alumni and staff at the University of Waterloo.